My message today is about being bold for Christ. And the reason why I want to preach on this is because I think that Christians have lost that boldness that we used to have. A.W. Tozer said, The true follower of Christ will not ask, If I embrace this truth, what will it cost me? Rather, a Christian will say, This is truth. God help me to walk in it, let come what may. How many times have you had the chance to witness to someone about Christ and failed to do so because of fear of rejection? Or that they're going to mock you or, or even worse? You know, maybe they wanted to beat you up physically or, some, or, or something to that regard. And see, I have. How do we gain boldness in Christ? How do we stand up and proclaim to lost people the name of Jesus Christ our Lord in this fallen world? How do we as Christians keep from backing down? Even the Apostle Peter denied Christ three times as Jesus said he would, but what happened after the indwelling of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost? The more we are filled with the Holy Spirit, the bolder we become. Obedience to God's Word, constant prayer, confession of our sins, and the yielding to the will of the Holy Spirit will give us the unwavering confidence to witness to people. If you guys would, please turn to Acts chapter 4. You guys will be turning a few times today. Acts chapter 4, verses 8 through 20. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. That is confidence in Christ. They didn't care what they were going to do to him. They were going to proclaim Jesus. They said, this man was healed by Jesus, whom you guys crucified. Peter would never again deny his Savior. Peter and John would not back down. Neither should we. Whom do we have to fear? As Christians, whom do we have to fear? Look at Stephen. Stephen gave one of the best sermons known to man in Acts. He convicted the Sanhedrin. He basically told them their whole history, which they knew by heart. 
but he wouldn't back down. He defended Jesus Christ to the death. After his convicting sermon, after that sermon, at the end, in Acts chapter 7, Stephen says, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. Conviction. And they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. You notice two things there? Peter, full of the Holy Spirit. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit. Then, then they cried out with a loud voice. They stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul, who we know that's Paul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. What an example of Jesus Christ. Instantly forgave them as they were killing him. Because they did not know what they were doing. The same as Christ forgave them on the cross because they didn't know what they were doing. That is bold. That is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, in the Middle East, in Africa, in Asia, they're being martyred every day. Every day. And Americans are starting to be persecuted for our faith. And they're trying to silence us for believing in the one true God. Now, we do have First Amendment protection in this country, but we're quieter about Jesus than in countries where if they speak his name, they could be put in prison or worse. That's how it is. And I don't think anybody will disagree with me. The Christian church has backed down. Christians have backed down. While we are watching our freedoms erode in this country, and basically we're just giving way to sinful and godless people to take over. And all we got to do is look, turn on the TV and you'll see it. Anything about America. We have to remember everything that is on television, that's how the rest of the world perceives us. Because that's what they see of America. Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. You know, something else that really bothers me is that Christians will defend to the teeth doctrines of men that they believe in when they're debating with other Christians. But where's the same passion and fervor when they're going against false religions or haters of God? Or people who are trying to shut down churches? Or people who are making churches conform to the world? Or even just standing up and telling somebody about the love of Jesus? Where is it? A Chinese communist who delivered many Christians to their execution came to a pastor and said, I've seen many of you die. The Christians die differently. What is your secret? Lost people really want to know our secret. Let's give it to them. 
Even if they won't acknowledge it, give it to them anyway. That's what we're called to do. Ephesians 6, 18-20, Paul says, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints, and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. You don't do it, the Holy Spirit will do it for you. The Holy Spirit will direct our words. The only thing we have to do is open our mouths, which many times we don't do. We don't open our mouths. Please turn to uh, 2 Corinthians 11, if you would, please. 2 Corinthians 11, 21 through 30. Now here Paul is correcting the church at Corinth. Basically, they had fallen into false teachings of false teachers, and these false teachers were boasting about themselves. Now Paul is giving them examples of boldness that almost took his life many times to train them that you can be bold, but boast in Christ and not in yourself. 2 Corinthians 11.21 says, Whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I am speaking as a fool. Basically, he was telling them, You guys are acting like fools. I'm going to show you something, but I'm going to act like you are. I also dare to boast about, Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am more. I have worked much harder been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I am not lying. Paul showed, once again, it's not about you. As Christians, all of us suffer major and minor persecutions. We all go through things, okay? I'm not saying that, that we're all meant to be martyrs, because we're not. But we go through mental persecutions. We're mocked. We go through sickness and illness and diseases that can kill us. But we must witness boldly to spread the message of Christ and give God glory. The Holy Spirit gives us the muscle to be unflinching in the declaration and defense of our Savior. He gives it to us. We just need to move ourselves out of the way and let Him do it. We must become submissive to God and obey God by obeying His Word. And we can't obey His Word if we don't read it. Or we don't study it. Or we don't listen to other pastors talk about it. 
Now in Acts 28, 31, Paul was in Rome for two years. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So, who's our best example of boldness? Well, what about our Savior when he faced the Sanhedrin and the Romans and all the times he preached without regard of what people were going to do to him? Please turn to Mark 14. I told you you guys were going to read today. Mark 14, verses 60 through 65. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. You talk about power under control. That is meekness defined. Jesus stood there and said nothing. You can even be bold when you're quiet. But you have to let the Holy Spirit discern when that needs to be. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? I get chills every time I read this next verse because Jesus Christ is just awesome. I am, said Jesus, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Amen? I can't wait. The high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses? He asked, you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They all condemned him as worthy of death. Then some began to spit at him. They blindfolded him. They struck him with their fists and said, prophesy. And the guards took him and beat him. While Jesus stood bravely in the face of danger, what happened? His apostles fled. He was alone. Christ knew what was to come, and he prayed for the Father to give him strength so that his heart would be ready. We're to do the same thing. Jesus Christ gave us the example to live by. The Holy Spirit sustained him and gave him the audaciousness to do what he had come to do according to the will of God the Father. A couple more. Please turn to John 18. John 18, 33 through 38. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. Flip another chapter to John 19, please. John 19, 1 through 11. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and they slapped him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, 
I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, We have a law, and according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? he asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Jesus wasn't entitled to give him an answer if he didn't want to. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said. Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. How bold is that? Jesus told him, You have no power over me. It was given to you by my Father. I came here for a purpose. Christ knew he was going to die, but he would not back down from those who falsely accused him. He wanted them to understand that their sin was against God and that he was the only way to be reconciled to the Father. He was trying to make this clear to them his whole ministry. He wanted them to understand that he was the Messiah, that he was the atoning sacrifice, the Savior of the world. You know, every person who, who has not been saved or even the staunchest of people that say that they're atheists, they have moments in their lives where their conscience will speak to them and say, what if? What if God is real? They'll never admit that to you, but it says it to them. The gospel doesn't always have to be spoken to be heard. Why? Because God wrote it on all of our hearts. Every human being, that's why we have that conscience. It was written on our hearts. So knowing this as Christians, will we yield to the Holy Spirit to plant the seeds of truth of Jesus Christ? Will we be daring enough to convict the loss of their sin that's going to send them to hell if they don't repent and seek Christ's forgiveness and saving grace as we did? Hebrews 10, 19-23 says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. The Bible talks and tells us we have a conscience. You ever hear anybody say they don't have a conscience? I bet their conscience is telling them inside you're lying as they're saying that. You know, Satan knows that once you become a Christian, he's lost control of you. Okay? But he will deceive you. He will put you down. He will hurt you. And he will manipulate in any way he can. He doesn't want you to tell people about Jesus Christ. He wants you to close up in your, <clears throat> in your shell and never come out. So be courageous in all faces of adversity, you guys. 1 Thessalonians 2.4 says, But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. God knows our intentions, our motives, and what our hearts say. Now see, I remember a time when an old boss of mine went on this mini rant about God killing his own son. Why would God kill his own son? 
I don't see that as a good God. Having no idea what he meant. And I said nothing. Not one word. I didn't say one word. Now, a few months ago on May 14, 2013, Reverend Faye Pama Musa of the Christian Association of Nigeria, or CAN, was gunned down by terrorists from the Boko Haram Islamic Militant Group. Three men jumped the fence and came into the house demanding that everyone get on the floor. Reverend Musa knew what the men were there for and tried to get out the back door. But they called him and said, Today you are a dead man. Call your Jesus to help you, Mr. Can Man. One of the men said. The pastor fought back, calling out for Jesus as he fought the men. Zion, the pastor's daughter, got up to try to help her father. The men shot at her and missed. During the fight, Musa's wife heard her husband yelling, I will never deny my Savior. After that, the three men shot her husband in the head repeatedly, killing him in front of his entire family. And here I was, afraid to protect and announce the truth of God to my boss. And this man died trying to protect his family and not denying Jesus. I was afraid to tell him why God's son died in this place for him and for me and for everyone else. What could the man do? Fire me? So what? I can get another job. I didn't present Christ to him. I'll never forget how ashamed I was of that. I'll never forget it. Because I never brought it up again to that man, and I should have. But God, as gracious as he is, taught me many things from that moment. It was a lesson that really helped me become bolder in Christ and his message. I think that's part of why I'm a pastor today. We cannot walk around regarding Christ as a secret that we refuse to share. We cannot talk about Jesus only on Sunday at church with other Christians. That's not how it works. We were demanded to go into all the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. You guys know I say that a lot because that's what we're supposed to do. Do not be fearful of what to say because as it says in Luke 12, 12, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. God will handle it for you if you feel you can't do it. 1 John 2.28 says, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. My younger brother served three tours in Iraq. He was in artillery. And the only story he told me from Iraq was one day they were to jump some Humvees and go to another base to swap out supplies. Last minute, guy comes to him, says, here, I'll jump on this one, you get the next one. Sure enough, the Humvee where my brother would have been sitting, right in the spot, the guy's legs were blown off by an IAD. God intervenes. Now I want you to tell me that God doesn't work in people's lives. Tell a soldier who has been saved by God's intervention in combat not to thank Jesus publicly or in prayer. I dare you to. My father, my stepfather, and the pastor who mentored me, they all served. 
you tell them not to proclaim Jesus. The same should apply to the rest of us. Jesus did not go through the mocking, the beatings, the flogging, and the crucifixion on that cross to save us so that we could sit on our hands and cower in a corner. We have the God-given right in this God-given country founded on the Bible to preach and to say the name of Jesus when and wherever we want to. Jesus shares the stage with no one. It all belongs to him. Amen? Now we're going to be rejected. We're going to be ridiculed. Told we're a freak or we've lost our minds. That's going to happen. At some point, some of us may even lose our lives for Christ. God has told us what to do and how to do it. Have a clear, concise, unwavering witness for Jesus, even in the face of opposition. The bold way is the biblical way. I didn't used to be bold, but I get bolder every day because the Holy Spirit makes me bolder. Testify boldly and without fear, regardless of their reaction. And you will know God's favor upon your witness for Christ. God will bless your words and His Holy Spirit will give you the strength to witness profoundly. Just submit yourself to Him and let Him do it. Arthur Blessed, some of you may have heard of him. He carried the guy that carried the wooden cross around the world. We have a great video of that. We need to watch it one day. He's a great testimony for Jesus. He carried it around the world on foot. He traveled through 52 war zones, been beaten, arrested 24 times. He remained undeterred and seen many miracles as God protected him and brought him through the journey. He's had the opportunity to minister and witness to countless people around the world. He knew God was always with him. Blessed said he learned along the way to see adversities and troubles not as stumbling blocks, but as stepping stones. He said the safest place to be is in the will of God. He knew if he was in the will of God, nothing could hurt him. You know, the changes in our Christian lives are proof. They're proof enough of our true conversion in Jesus Christ, okay? We all have many witnesses throughout our lives that can attest to the change that's been made in us. But people will say, well, so-and-so, they, they follow this religion and their lives have changed too. You know, they become a better person. Well, that may well be, but there's one eternal difference, okay? They're still lost, working and seeking their own salvation. We already have ours. We have to shamelessly tell others this when the appropriate time presents itself. Why do people feel so uncomfortable when someone starts talking about Jesus Christ? Because the truth convicts. That's the only thing it is. It's called straight conviction. Going to a store. I, I think about doing this one of these days, but I probably ought to be by myself and just start talking about Jesus to somebody. Or strike up a conversation. Stephanie will do this sometimes. Like, for instance, if uh, somebody comes to fix something in her house or whatever, you know, she'll turn on some music or she'll turn on an audio Bible. And sometimes I can see the conviction in the people's faces. 
And that's all it is. The truth convicts. Now Tom White of the Voice of the Martyr said, The badge of courage does not require that we walk through something dangerous. It simply requires that we continue to share God's love whenever and wherever we can. And wherever we are. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus tore that veil so we could go straight to God's throne. If we can go straight to God's throne, do you not think that God's going to give us the words to speak when we need to speak them? Be bold in Christ. Read and study God's word. Constantly pray. Confess your sins. And yield to the Holy Spirit. Matthew 10, 32, 33, Jesus said, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Please do not deny Jesus Christ who wants to save you. Give your life to him today if you haven't done that. It's the most important decision of your life.